Well, I, I do like length. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, summer basketball time. Kevin Durant, that's unfortunate time. But you know what? I guess that's lifetime. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. West Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you from the Fort Rucker sunroom. Still not the studio. But hey, Grant, we're here on a lovely, lovely Thursday afternoon in Knoxville, Tennessee. Going to just drop this to you on a lovely Friday morning in Knoxville, Tennessee. When you said that's lifetime, are you talking about the channel or just in general? Um, I don't know. Could Kevin Durant's ruptured Achilles be a lifetime movie One somehow? day. One day. The man tried to keep him down by tearing his Achilles. We got a lot to discuss today. Actually, some... Somehow. Some, somehow, some of... In the middle of June, there's a lot to talk about. My goodness, right? I mean, I'm not complaining. There leaves more to do, but... You know, goodness gracious, going to go from talking about one of uh, Rick Barnes' former players to uh, perhaps a couple of uh, his future players, soon-to-be players. Um, this is what's so interesting about this grant. We, we thought that, you know, we knew that Tennessee's scholarship situation was going to be tight because of the number of people that they signed. And then they went ahead and added another one. Then they went ahead and added a transfer. So at that point, they're definitely full, even though Derek Walker left the program. Now, all of a sudden, and and we got a couple things to talk about. We're going to get to the whole Kerry Blackshear sweepstakes later, but we got a couple other things to discuss first. This is a deal where Tennessee, it looks like there's no room at the end, right? I mean, you look like there's 13 scholarship players right there. And yet... Tennessee still is going after Kerry Blackshear, still going after guys in the early, I guess, or not early signing period. I'm thinking about football from earlier in the week. The stuff with, you know, with trying to get 2019 guys still onto campus is what I'm trying to get out of my stupid mouth. Right. And how does this, how's this working out? Because I look at this and I go, something doesn't add up there. Uh, Yeah. I mean, and, and you mentioned Kerry Blackshear and, and talking about him. Like it, It's understandable that if you had a shot at that kid, you'd try to get in on the sweepstakes. If you can get him on campus, you're going to try to get him on campus. Yeah. And you'll figure out the numbers later. Uh, when it became more um, curious is when they, when they hand out an offer to a 2019 power forward that seemed to just kind of come out of uh, nowhere. Uh Joseph at below or blue. We, I don't know. He's French. I don't yeah. know what it is with them. We'll call him Joe. And and the kids with tough names, but they're signing them all and they're getting them all on campus. Yes. Uh, so thoughts Thank- and prayers to Bob Kessler. Thanks, Rick. Right. Exactly. And, and it was weird, weird. One thing to see it an offer and that I believe that was on Friday or late Friday night. Uh, the kid tweeted about it, and then here we are Wednesday and he's on campus. And he's there for an official visit. So, I mean, things are moving, seemingly pretty moving pretty fast for a kid that really wasn't on the radar. And he's got a lot of interest. He's uh, he's a 6'11", over 200 pound. I mean, he's a big body. And he's a kid that's got touch and, and can get up and down the floor and, and kind of do the things uh, that they look for. And, and Nevada's interested and Pitt and West Virginia, uh, Wake Forest. I mean, 
there's a lot of big time interest in this kid and, and there's a lot of upside, but then you have to balance, you know, the roster a is full. Yes. B you have another guy coming in this weekend. Who's the biggest name uh, on the transfer market that everybody kind of wants a piece of at this point. So, I mean, if, if Joseph, I wanted to, to commit on the visit, how do you balance that with what's going on this weekend on top of 13 scholarships are already full? How do you, I don't know. It, 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 it feels like you're going back to the Butch Jones days where you're trying to figure out how they're going to sign 35 guys uh, in a single class and get them all on campus and still be under the scholarship limit. But uh, they are aggressively, actively recruiting still in the 2019 cycle uh, despite being at 13 scholarships. Yeah, and here, here's where this is interesting for me. It's that you look at um, – and actually I was just looking back and when I looked at the spelling of his name again, you might have been right on the pronunciation of his name. I'm not sure, but I thought there was – for some reason, I thought there was like a Cajun, like A-E-U-X or whatever on the end of it or, or something. But uh, there's not. There's just B-I-L-A-U. So Between him and Euros and uh, Olivier, there's there's a lot of names being thrown around. Yeah, since Camp, Kanoa, right Kanoa. Yeah, exactly. yeah that, that's – man, good luck with that. But here's the thing. When we sometimes try to do this math with football, you know, we have pages, roster pages, and, and Pat's done a good job with our um, football one to kind of keep up who's on scholarship, who's not. But still, with football, sometimes it gets tough to make sure you you know you're at the right number because there's 85 scholarships, and, and sometimes walk-ons go on scholarships. Sometimes you're thinking, wait, is that long snapper a blue shirt, or is he on scholarship yet, or is he not because they've never really addressed it? Bottom line is, with football, it can be tough to figure out exactly whether you're at 85 or not. Basketball, there's 13 spots. And we've seen that 13 guys have signed with Tennessee. So we know for a fact. Even our brains. Yes, even our tiny, in, like just tiny, tiny little insignificant brains can comprehend the fact that they have 13 kids right now. Now, I, I don't know. Here's the way I'm thinking about this. And, and all I know is there are two ways potentially to, to get under 13. Maybe there's some other kind of three-dimensional chess you can play. But as far as this little brain can figure out, you can either take a kid uh, and he transfers out of the program or a scholarship becomes a walk-on. And I don't know if they have a scholar, one of their scholarship guys has like a 4.0 GPA or whatever or his parents are, are independently wealthy or they can figure out a way to do this. That's still an awkward conversation. Can they do that? Or... Uh, is someone going to up and transfer now when you think, wait, he probably would have done a better job for himself, given himself more options if he had gone into the situation a couple months earlier? And, and that's what's awkward. I guess maybe the third potential is the guy goes on a medical, but I don't know if they have anyone right now who's destined for that I still that track. think that counts against you, though. I, I don't know. I, I don't know all the loopholes with blue shirts and uh, kind of all the stuff that's kind of the football coaches have sure. uh, across the country have kind of found out how they can take advantage of those numbers. I don't know really how all that applies uh, in the college basketball circles or how often those coaches go after stuff like that. But, I mean, you have to have something. It, these coaches aren't coming at it blind. They they have yes. a plan in place. If this kid wants in, he's going to get in, and we're going to figure something out. And that's the biggest thing. You hear it all the time. Don't worry about the numbers. Don't worry about the numbers. It's going to work itself out. The number will be there. 
Uh, I assume that's what's going to happen. If if a player is out at this point, that's pretty tough because it's like you mentioned, it's really late in the process. If you if you're doing that, you you want to do it in March and April. Unless you're doing it so late that all of a sudden programs, let's say whoever doesn't get Blackshear is more desperate or right. whoever, you know, that's the only positive potentially that or, comes out. Or or you already have the school sitting there saying, yeah. "Okay, I'm going to transfer. I'm, I'm leaving here and I'm going there." Uh, whatever situation that is, regardless, you know, something's got to give, and surely uh, they have multiple plans, multiple options. Uh, and that's the, the million-dollar question is, is what's going to happen, how it's going to uh, – if it does get to the point where something has to happen, how is it going to happen? Who is somebody out? Uh, the scholarship to walk-on thing has, has been something that people ask about. That's still a lot of money. Uh, depends on what other kind of scholarships you can get, I guess. And t- Tennessee's out of state, Tennessee's out of state tuition money is about as bad as it gets in right. the SEC, aside from Vanderbilt. So, uh, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I saw some videos and, and pictures on social media of Tennessee's locker room. Uh, I think it was Jordan Bowden, maybe on Instagram, and he was panning around the the locker room, and every locker stall had a big picture of that player and the name and number and all that stuff, a big graphic. And I was just thinking. It's got to be awkward uh, to be on that campus to know that Victor Bailey, the Oregon transfer, was your 13th scholarship, uh, and they've got a guy on campus right now, a 2019 kid, or they did the middle of this week, and they've got another huge name uh, coming in later this week. And Because th- I'll, I'll be honest, there's not a lot of idiots on that right. men's basketball roster. Those are pretty pretty sharp kids, and uh, I, I don't know if I can attest to their – their their book intelligence acumen. I don't I don't know one way or the other, but I do know that those are those have some those kids have some common sense. Um, and if they didn't, they wouldn't be there because that's not how that program rolls. So they probably have a pretty good idea of what's happening here. And when they when he was panning around, did you uh, super slow mo the video? I watched sure- I watched the video like five times, like trying to make sure I was counting everybody. Okay. Like it was like roll call. Make like a make 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 a checklist and check it off. Like okay, right. this guy's there, this guy's there, this guy's there, and and, and they were there. Uh, there wasn't anybody missing. It wasn't anything suspicious. But uh, here we are, thirteen scholarships, and and that's what like you said, these kids aren't done. They know what's going on. Like that's their biggest. You know, they're student-athletes. they got to take care of business in the classroom and all that stuff off the floor. But their biggest concern, their life right now, is college basketball and what their role is in this program. Uh, Because they've had so much success the last two years, they want to keep building uh, on what Tennessee basketball has become and is becoming and and what it'll be uh, with them on the floor. They want their piece of the pie and and their time. Uh, And it's got to be extremely, extremely awkward trying to figure out kind of what the competition is there and and how you're going to handle it. Now, before we step away and talk about Kerry Blackshear, who obviously from Virginia Tech is the biggest uh, name on the transfer market this season, we'll get into a pretty good discussion about him. But before we get out of here, we do need to mention, uh, before we go to break, I should say, we should mention some some stuff about this. Um, we're we're going to call him Joe for now, uh, or Joseph Uh This kid, here's what's interesting to me about basketball. There are so many programs that play basketball. There are guys all the time who pop up and you, you don't really seem to know a lot about them for whatever reason. It could be any number of reasons. Maybe they came in from a, 
from a foreign country. Maybe they had a, a, a six to eight inch growth spurt, you know, in the, in the summer. You know, maybe you never know. Guys pop up all the time because there's 300 plus Division One basketball programs. Every high school in the country plays it, even in, you know, backwater and random places like Alaska. They play, they, they play basketball and, and guys pop up all the time. This kid right here is interesting because I see right here Spire Academy from mm-hmm. in Ohio. But obviously, like one of the Ball brothers went there. Yeah, yeah, and 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 all of a sudden, the, he's this kid. Originally, is from France, and I, it's funny. You think in your head, like, do you think he knows Eve Pons? But like, France is a huge country, <laughs> so there's probably probably not. But you know, we'll, we'll we'll see. But you you look at this, and this kid is six eleven, two thirty, and where in the world did he come from? Because the you know we our guys who are pretty good have not had a chance to get in there and rate them yet because there's not a lot of I guess there's not been a lot of video not been a lot of in person evaluations there maybe he doesn't go on a lot of the camp circuits maybe it, it could be any number of reasons but what's the story with this kid and and did he emerge from out of nowhere as it seems he did I mean that was actually my first question when I saw that offer I don't think I saw it until Saturday morning. Um, a, I had to Google the kid, try to figure out who he was, yeah. and and find his his twenty four seven profile. Uh, and B, I started texting people saying, kind of, what's the story on this kid? And uh, basically, the only response was, you know, we're always looking at kids. That's it. Uh, we're always interested, regardless of the scholarship situation, regardless of um, where this kid comes from, who it is, who who else is involved. They're always looking at kids and always actively recruiting. And that's just that's that's what I got back. And and when you watch the video, uh, it, it's impressive video. Uh, he's a big body that can move, and he's got touch. And and uh, obviously he's going to help a program somewhere. Otherwise, uh, the likes of Pitt and West Virginia and, and those type of programs uh, wouldn't be getting involved. So uh, I don't know. They find these kids. They they don't. They're not scared of a project, or they're not scared to take somebody nobody's ever heard of. I mean, nobody had heard of Devontae Gaines when they – I mean, they got a commitment from him two years ago. Yeah. Uh, and he stuck it out. So uh, they're always recruiting, and, and they're always uh, looking for kids, and this seems to be one they found. Yeah, and, and again, it, it's rare. Even in this even in this era, you don't see a lot of kids who are 6'11 and, and can move pretty well. Uh, it seems like we see a few of them in college basketball. There's a bunch of them in the NBA – but when you're talking about the percentage of the population, that's a really small Venn diagram mashup there of of six eleven and somewhat athletic. You don't see that a lot, and and so when I look at this, I go, man, this kid just had to come out of nowhere. There's got to be a backstory here, and I guess that's the job of us journalists to go figure it out. And if he go, if he ends up you know going to Tennessee, then we'll obviously have to figure it out. But these things interest me because you don't see this nearly as much in football. You see this more in basketball where maybe there's not the the big industry built around it. Maybe there's not all the all the camps and everything. There's more of a select camp kind of vibe. So sometimes you know about kids when they're in middle school. Sometimes these kids come out of absolutely nowhere. And this kid fascinates me because I'm not calling him some white whale or something, but for a kid with this kind of size to come out of nowhere makes you wonder, wait, what? It's just confusing, and and it's it's with Rick and his staff, especially for a a a prep prospect, they're not gonna go after you and offer you unless they really believe what you can bring to their program because they're not gonna tie up scholarships. I think they worry about tying up future scholarships 
as much as they worry about anything when they look at a kid. The coach coach used to tell me a different coach, not this staff. He used to tell me if you if I sign a turd, I got to look at that turd for four years. Right, and 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 you're looking at 2020 with Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer uh, and PJ Hall, and and there's a ton of big name talent on Tennessee's 2020 board, and there's a ton of kids that they have a lot of traction with, like Keon Johnson, the number one player in the state, and, and probably a top 30. Uh, player nationally and, and Jaden Springer who is you know as elite as elite gets and uh, those guys you don't want to tie up space and and limit yourself on what you can get in 2020 and, and if this is a kid you get you're you're limiting your space a little bit more uh, it depends on you know obviously something's got to give if they get either of these kids this week uh, in terms of scholarship space but uh, part of that balance is do you want to bring in a transfer who helps you immediately uh, who does not tie up a scholarship moving forward because he's here one year and then he's gone, or uh, are you willing to take a four-year guy, could be up to a four-year guy, who's going to tie up a scholarship uh, and make you a little bit more uh, kind of space-conscious moving forward because of your numbers and how limited they are and kind of how uh, talented your board is uh, this time next year. Yeah, and and, and for those of you who are wondering about Jaden Springer, I, I did have – I know someone – very close to the North Carolina program, and he basically told me in no uncertain terms, if Springer goes to UNC, he steps in and starts. So if you're going to step in and start at a place like North Carolina, you're probably going to step in and start just about anywhere. You are elite. You are five-star for a reason. Yeah. and Like top 15, one-and-done yeah. caliber. Yeah, and, and or even if there is the one-and-done thing now, I mean, we'll we'll see how a lot of that goes. But but I, it's interesting to me because – and here's the last point I want to make on this before we step – uh, to break and go back and talk about Blackshear is is to me, does this in any way, shape, or form indicate anything about Euros Plavsic and how they feel about his eligibility? Because we know the pressure that's on this staff because of you signed that huge contract, you've built up the expectations last year, and now you're having to redo an entire roster. You're basically flipping an entire script in one year. And you're doing that on the heels of signing a huge contract when you rub some Tennessee fans the wrong way in the process. So you put all that together uh, and you combine that with the fact that that Rick Barnes is just a competitive guy who wants to win anyway. They're they're not going to want to come back down to earth crashing. They want right. to go out there and have a good year. And does this is is this going after this new kid, does does this indicate that they're worried at all about Plavsic? I wouldn't think so because what you have in this kid is kind of similar to uh, DJ Burns is not 6'11", but he's a big body. Yeah. He can play in space. He can, uh, he's can. he got touch for a big man. Uh, he knows how to score it in the post. I mean, I think you have kind of similar skill sets on your current roster uh, compared to what this guy brings. I think you should feel... I mean, you never know with the NCAA. It seems like they, the way they rule sometimes, it's almost like a SNL skit. Yeah. Uh, it's like, is this is this comedy or is this real life when they, they deny they, certain kids a waiver? Or they, have a, they have a jump to conclusions, Matt. Right, exactly. And and with Euros and and losing the coach at Arizona State, that he went to he he followed him to Arizona State, uh, and now he's trying to get back closer to home. You, you would think that makes sense for the NCAA to grant that waiver uh, to make him eligible immediately because of coaching changes and how they try to help kids with that in those situations, even though this obviously is not a head coach. But uh, I don't think it really changes. I don't think it that wasn't really the first thing that came to my mind. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the way they look at it. Uh, but they, if that's Euros or if that's somebody else, they still need a lot of help in the post. They, they've got a lot of talent 
uh, in the backcourt, but they still need a lot of help in the frontcourt. Yeah, and, and that that to me is, is interesting because you start looking at the the way this roster comes together, and you know this is going to be perhaps as fascinating a preseason for Tennessee basketball as I can remember in a long time. And we'll have several podcasts in the future to talk about all this ramping up to the season and all that when, when that stuff gets started. But when you combine all those factors of all that contract stuff, the fact that you're losing a golden generation basically of players, and, and before you say, what did they win? Well, for a Tennessee basketball, that's a golden generation. And you're losing the – They won more games – Back-to-back seasons than anybody ever yeah. has Tennessee before, even though they didn't obviously do in March what they wanted to do. And if you're Tennessee, winning an SEC title is nothing to to, to sneeze at either. I mean, that that's, that, that's, that's important. But you put all that together and you just think of how much this, this thing is changing in the way they're going about it. And we'll have much more to talk about that. I, I think these two combinate – I think this, this combination of things makes for a fascinating discussion – on sort of the trajectory of the program, the plans of the program, what they're doing, what they what they want to bring in, how they want to go about it. Um, but before we have that discussion, Grant, do you like products? I always enjoy products. Uh, do you like services? Love services. Do you like in-house ads that maybe show you other wonderful podcasts on the CBS uh, podcast network? I live for in-house ads that show me other podcasts within the CBS Sports Network. I've got great news for you then, buddy. Hashtag ad... Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. And we're back. Good break, Grant. Did you get a good stretch in? I loved that break. I lived for that break, just like I lived for the actual ad that was in the break. Yeah, I noticed right now you're you're uh, watching. You're, you're doing what um, what Tracy Rocker did the other day where it, when Pruitt was having a meeting and they were talking to recruits and he's sitting there looking at his phone watching a baseball game because his son was throwing a no-hitter. I'm not aware. I don't I don't think Theo's throwing a no-hitter for no, the Braves right my now. My kids do not play for the Braves or the Pirates. Yeah, but uh, and, and at least one of us is going to see a baseball game they're going to like today because the Cubs are playing in L.A. this weekend, and that's just – Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> it's just like really – I mean, that's just going to – those guys are on fire right now. Um, but but here's what the 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 soup du jour, the soup of the day. That sounds good. We'll have that. The main topic of this thing is the biggest prospect who's out there in the transfer market. Right, uh, the biggest the biggest piece of meat out there in the meat market this year is Kerry Blackshear Jr. from Virginia Tech. Uh, this is a big man, a big big man. Uh, averaged about what fifteen and eight last year, yep. give or take fourteen to nine and seven and a half. So round up, yeah, and uh, yeah, close enough. And um, uh, in in a conference that obviously we all know is a good league, the ACC is a very very good league, and there's lots of tough road venues in that league. We all know how seriously that league takes basketball. And you know, Virginia Tech last season uh, was a good story. You know, came out of nowhere, threatened in the ACC, uh, made a little tournament run there, won a couple games. I mean, they they had a good season. And, um, you know, beat Duke, I, I believe, at some point during the year. The, that team, 
uh, was pretty good. And uh, that coach is now someone that the rest of the SEC is going to have to deal with because Buzz Williams is at Virginia Tech uh, or Texas A&M now. But this guy, here's what's interesting about this to me. I think it shows you where Tennessee basketball is that I'll say this from the beginning. I still think if you put a gun to my head, I think Blackshear goes to Kentucky. But the fact that Tennessee is very, very, very much in the picture for by far the top prospect out there in the transfer market this year, I think that's another kind of indication of where Tennessee basketball is right now. And, and of course, this kid, you know, Virginia Tech, if you go to Virginia Tech, you know about Tennessee. If you go to Tennessee, you know about Virginia Tech. They're only separated by about three and a half or three hours or so, whatever it is. Uh, so they know about each other. They're not, they're not strangers to each other. Um, you read about both of them in the, the the local markets, and you see them on TV and all these other things. But the fact that Tennessee's in this thing for this kid, I, I think that's that's some big boy stuff for Tennessee. I think. Yeah, and it's kind of uh, it's again uh, something that kind of caught people off guard. Uh, I think it was reported maybe a week or so ago, uh, something like that, that Tennessee was still trying there, and that was kind of uh, it kind of turned your head because at that point. Tennessee already had the commitment from Victor Bailey, the 13th scholarship, uh, and you thought that was it. And then that happens. Uh, I believe it was Jeff Goodman that reported they were still trying. Uh, and when I read that, I start texting some people. Goo Goo Dolls fan Jeff Goodman. I always like to bring that up. Goo Goo Dolls. Give him all kinds of guff for going to a Goo Goo Dolls concert one time. So I start texting people trying to figure out, like, is this legit? I mean, you're still trying after this kid when you don't really have anywhere to put him? And the answer was yes. And the, the explanation was if if we have too many kids because he wants in, then that's a good problem to have, and, and you figure it out from there. Which, he, would, he wouldn't be the one kicked to the curb. Right. No, no. By, by no means. Uh, And I tried to kind of write something earlier in the week uh, on the side about kind of the biggest ways that he would affect this roster, this team, uh, should he choose Tennessee. Uh, And it's, I mean, you're not going to replace Grant Williams. That's what I wrote. You're not going to do it next year. You're not going to do it in the next decade. Correct. You're probably not going to do it in a long, long time. because and, of, Unless you go out and get a burger boy who just is a stud and right. wants to stay for Just a because of bit. how special he was. Uh, but you know, Grant averaged I think eighteen and uh, almost eighteen and eight. Yeah. Uh, averaged like three assists a game, thirty-two minutes. You know, started block like, steals. All right. Kinds of he stuff. did a little bit of everything. But then you go, you compare Kerry Blackshear's numbers. He started every game. He averaged about thirty-one minutes a night, kind of like Grant did. He averaged fourteen point nine, uh, seven and a half rebounds, two point three assists. I mean, there, there's not a Grant Williams two point that you're going to go out there and just plug in and let him play. Uh, but Kerry Blackshear is 100% as close as you're going to find yes. to that guy. Uh, and I think that's exactly how Tennessee sells it. Uh, you pitch them, uh, you pitch to Kerry and his people, you're Grant Williams. Grant Williams was an All-American. He was everything that, that Tennessee basketball was last year. Here are the keys, step in, do the same exact thing. Uh, they they have an elite backcourt. They, uh, they have talent in the backcourt. I shouldn't say elite. They have an elite talent. Uh, in Josiah Jordan James, and they have really good players around him in Jordan Battle and Monte Turner. They've got it at the the the, the basement. Is they have a really good backcourt, right? As is uh, looking at it here today, they're they're good in the backcourt. They have questions in the frontcourt. Well, if you get Carey, uh, that solves a lot of questions because he's somebody that's proven in the last three years that he knows how to produce. Uh, and like you said, he's done the ACC, and that's not easy. Uh, but I mean, there there are reports out there that, that that people think it's down to Arkansas and Tennessee. There's reports out there that. 
Memphis is trying to get in it late. There's reports out there because they had a spot open up, right? Yeah. He's he's had uh, trouble getting to Texas A&M for whatever reason. People think Florida might be out of it. There's always that that wild card of Kentucky uh, and how he fits in. But uh, I don't know the roster situations at all those places or kind of how he impacts those teams. But at Tennessee, uh, some schools might want you or whatever, but Tennessee 100 percent needs you. Uh, and and they're, I think that's what they'll sell. The, uh, that you know, like I said, here are the keys. Take over. This is your team. Yeah, here's here's the argument that first off, I, I thought that Texas A&M would be a pretty big player in this because of the obvious right. reason. But but then uh, the more and more I, I learned about it, the more I heard that Blackshear is a guy who um, wants to win. He wants to go somewhere where he because because he he's been playing in front of scouts at Virginia Tech for years. Uh, there's he's been playing in the ACC for years. People know about him and his game. There, there's no, I mean, obviously you want to progress as a player and develop and all these other things. But but I think he wants to go somewhere where basketball matters. I mean, Virginia Tech, they did sell out their little arena a couple times there. You know, they were on TV, but but it was not. When you look at the places that he's looking at now, all of those places, basketball is a much bigger deal than it is at Virginia Tech. Not even close. And I don't mean any – I know there's probably some, you know, Vol Hokies and, and people who like both programs maybe up there in the Tri-Cities. And I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I think we're just being honest here mm-hmm. when we say that this is you – know, let's just call it what it is. I it's, grew up in that divided – that divided uh, yeah, and, area. And, and Virginia Tech basketball, even when Tennessee basketball was nah, it was a bigger deal than Virginia Tech basketball by and large. But – when I heard that he wants to win and he wants to play somewhere where basketball is really important, all of a sudden his list starts to make more sense to me. And maybe that's why at A&M, maybe that's why things aren't necessarily working out there, even though he obviously loves Buzz Williams. So, And a lot of players do. Buzz Williams is a, is a guy who's, whose players really like him. Um, but when I look at this, I think if you're Tennessee, you have just made really succinctly the argument that Tennessee can make. One, if you go to Kentucky, you know, it's going to be a big deal. Basketball's big. Winning's big. You might not start. Maybe you'll start. Maybe you won't play, but 20 minutes a game. If you want to go to a place where it's a big-time program with a big-time arena, with a big-time fan base, big-time attention, and you will be the man in the front court, there is not a place in the country I think that can rival maybe what the package Tennessee can give you right now. If I'm Tennessee, that's the argument that I'm making to him. It's that yes, Admiral Schofield's gone. Yes, Kyle Alexander's gone. Yes, you know Jordan uh, Jordan Bone's gone. Y- yes, all those things are true. And of course, Brad Woodson, Lucas Campbell, now 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 uh, Coach Campbell, now, Coach, now Coach Campbell and Coach Coach Woodson. But when when you look at you tell him, listen, here's Grant Williams, here's that production. Here's Admiral Schofield. There's that production. There's Kyle Alexander. There's his defensive presence. There's his defensive production. You want to step in and be an amalgamation of these guys? You want to play 33, 34 minutes a night? Big guy, come in, get the ball, and let's go. I told somebody today it would be like Jackie Moon. when he's just, They just throw the, the, the dump in pass to Jackie Moon. He throws it back out, and they throw it back in. He throws it back out and just playing catch on the uh, the perimeter and the post. I mean, yeah, he, he would be – Again, and and Tennessee, if if Kentucky is as much of a competitor in this as people say they are, you're going against Cal. That's never easy, obviously, in recruiting. God, no. uh, and if you're going against Arkansas, 
that's not easy because of what Musselman does and how many transfers he got in at Nevada and turned it around, around right away. And he's got many, a great he's got a great pitch over there. And how many transfers he's already done in Arkansas and how he's kind of already starting there. And 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 you're 100 percent right about places where basketball matters. Uh, few fewer uh, there are few cooler settings. Try to say that right than Bud Walton Arena. It's a, it's a great place uh, to watch a game when it's crazy. Uh, it's crazy, and and I can understand why uh, he would be interested there and. And, but yeah, you're right. Tennessee with uh, what they have to sell, uh, and for better or worse, this is gonna this is gonna be a, an indictment on Rick Barnes whether he's wanna gonna recruit at an elite level and get these kind of guys when he has a chance to get them, uh, or if he's gonna keep missing on some of these guys uh, when he has a chance to get them because everybody's gonna see that big salary number uh, and think it's time to uh, produce more in you know off season recruiting battles. Yeah, here's the here's the X factor. I don't know. And this is this is more than anything else. What's going to make me be on the outside looking in in terms of guessing? I'm you know I'm just going to have to guess. I don't know unless someone in one of the programs tells me where the kid's going uh, ahead of time. Here here's the X factor where I don't know. I don't know Kerry Blackshear the dude. I don't know what kind of kid he is, what kind of young man he is. And the reason I say that is because Tennessee has kind of a vibe and a culture around that program. And right now, with Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden there, you've still got, you know, you've got Turner, a fifth-year senior. You've got uh, Bowden, a fourth-year senior, who seems like he's been there forever. You've got some guys, Fulkerson, you know, be a fourth-year junior. You've got some vets in that program who maybe Blackshear would feel like they were his peers. Maybe, you know, if he goes to a Kentucky, we all know how young that roster is. And, of course, last year Barnes did a great job um, – uh, you know, at at, um, at, at Kentucky of, of of being that guy who was kind of the the mentor for them. He was a Stanford degree guy, and mm-hmm. all the young kids on the team looked up to him, and he kind of felt like their uncle as much as their teammate. Maybe he could step in and do that over at UK. I, I don't I don't know, um, but I know that if he went to a place like Tennessee, he would have more peers, and he would have depending on what kind of guy he is. If you have the kind of personality that meshes with that Tennessee program you will not have many bad days because you'll be coached hard, but you'll be able to take that. And then as soon as the ball stops rolling, as soon as practice is over, that's a pretty special group of human beings. They're just a good group of people. They look out for each other. They take care of each other. They're good people in the community. Uh, They're good people on campus. Uh, They're just, they're good, good people. And I don't know enough about Blackshear as a person to know if that appeals to him, because if it does, if he's the kind of person who meshes with them, then he might look at that culture at Tennessee and go, I like this. And that might matter to some degree. Now, maybe he's just going there all about business. Uh, and if he is, then he'll make a business decision and good for him. That's these guys are walking uh, billion dollar, million dollar billboards. I right. mean, I, they got to make business decisions. But I, I just I look at it and I go. I don't know what kind of person he is, but if he is, that that is that's that's something that could be in Tennessee's yeah, favor. Yeah, and they definitely sell just about any recruit prospects that you talk to that that's that's you know like a Corey Walker that committed to Tennessee or these other guys that get there on a visit uh, and see campus and spend time around the staff and the and the and the players on roster. Uh, one of the things they talk about the most is the family feel uh, and kind yeah. of how tight knit the group is. Uh, obviously that that changes a little bit uh, when you have so many players out the door and kind of you're in this year of transition. Uh, But, yeah, they're going to sell that, and that's going to be something that appeals to a lot of kids because they talk about it uh, as much as they do. 
Uh, one thing with Carrie and, and the people around him, is, as far as I've been told, they don't talk. Uh, and, and I think you find that a lot with the, the graduate transfers who have been through the recruiting process uh, and done all those interviews and, and the visit stuff and recapping stuff and updating their recruitment. And they're kind of over that and past that, and they're just going to do their thing and take their visits and, and handle their business, and they don't have to ever say a word publicly about it. Uh, so that's the other thing is kind of you're trying to figure out what's going on, how legit the interest is without ever really talking to the kid or yep. his family, his dad, whatever, uh, whoever's involved there helping him with that recruitment. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. It's a, it's a really huge weekend uh, for Tennessee basketball uh, because they are in a transition year, a bridge year, whatever, and here's your bridge. He's on campus. That's a hell of a bridge. Yeah, that's, that's him, and, and, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be really, really interesting to watch. Last point on this before we step out of here, Grant, is to me, does this I, – I think it, it indicates maybe not a drastic change in Tennessee's approach – um, because Tennessee is still, you know, if we're sitting here and saying Tennessee is, is in win-now mode and got to do everything right now, only thing that matters is keeping it going year to year, do Kentucky, go mercenary, do this, do that, then Tennessee probably would not have signed Devontae Gaines and Drew Pember, who are kids who have a world of talent but might need a few years to reach that. Maybe they don't, but they're guys who might take a couple years to Richer really – Richer candidates, to, to either kinda, one of them. Yeah, to kind of become the kind of player you want them to be. Um, but on the other hand, you're seeing Tennessee go out there and bring in a, a guy like Bailey, bring in Plasic. You know, who, who Plasic is, is a project in his own right. Bailey, former top 100 player, guy who hadn't reached his full ceiling, um, but a guy who is a an outstanding kid who everyone in the Oregon program loves – uh, and, and a guy who kind of culturally, I think, fits in with this team pretty well, uh, and a guy who's got all kinds of athleticism and, and length, and we do know Rick Barnes likes length. But w- when you talk about guys like Blackshear and all this, is this where you're seeing some of the trend of Tennessee's Tennessee's change in scope and size of the program? It, it, are, are we seeing with this and some other things this offseason that there is kind of more of a – maintain approach then start from scratch again because yeah. that, that was a painful process for those guys they got there but it was a painful right. process and it, and, it, and if you go back and, and kind of inspect those first two years it was it was a long first two years for yes. sure i mean that that success uh that has happened the last two seasons obviously didn't happen overnight it, it took a minute to get there but yeah i mean they've been they've been super aggressive in this cycle uh, they continue to be aggressive in this cycle despite the numbers that we've talked about for the last however many minutes uh you know, this time last year, Quan Four was committed for a month. Something happens, it doesn't work out. I guess that was on the university side, uh, and he ends up landing at Louisville. Yeah, there was there was an academic snafu. Right. They have twelve scholarships. They have an open space, uh, and they just sit on it. And and they they it was kind of like these are my guys, and we're going to go with it. Obviously, as a much more experienced team, uh, you knew what you were getting from that bunch a lot more than uh, kind of the way the roster looks now. Uh, but they they they've been aggressive, and it, it does seem like a different. Uh, kind of approach to go out and get these transfers, these guys that you think you can make work. Uh, and there's been a lot of change, you know. There's there's a new associate head coach in, in Mike Schwartz. There's been, you know, they, they've they've got a new assistant coach in Kim English. They've they've juggled job titles a little bit, uh, and it's a completely new roster. I mean, you have five guys out, six guys in, and it's only a 13-man uh, scholarship list. So, that I mean, that's, that's a huge overhaul uh, and a huge – 
transition moving forward. And it's like we've talked about on these last couple of podcasts with basketball, it's just how many questions there are from top to bottom on the roster that aren't going away anytime soon. They're going to be the same questions there in October, regardless of what happens uh, with the roster from here uh, all the way through October into November, into the, the early non-conference schedule. So uh, it's going to be a really, really interesting, you know, however many months for Tennessee basketball until you figure out kind of what this team is uh, and who makes up this roster. That's going to be a lot of interesting stuff to follow. Good thing we have a website for that. We have a website for that. Go Vault. What, look at you. Transition of the of the, of the month candidate right segue. there. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we do have, as Grant mentioned, that website. GoVols247.com, the best place on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage regarding Tennessee athletics, football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, baseball, baseball recruiting. Uh, got some got some uh, Lady Vol stuff there from Maria, all kinds of stuff on all their programs, uh, administrative news, uh, just all kinds of stuff there, GoVols247.com. You can also uh, follow us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. You can also find us uh, as a staff on Twitter at Twitter.com slash GoVols247. That's none of the personal stuff. That's just all Tennessee all the time. Uh, you can also go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash GoVols247. Ramey and Pat have done a really, really good job uh, spearheading that effort to sort of overhaul some stuff on that uh, that site, and it's been really good. They've done really good work there, so go check that out. Uh, or, as I mentioned earlier, go straight to the source, drink right from the hose, GoVols247.com, 30% off of an annual uh, subscription right now if you go check that out. And, and to begin with, it's less than one mediocre lunch a month. Really, when you think about how much everything costs these days, how much does everything cost these days? GoVols 24-7 is a great deal. A great deal. It's a great deal. It's probably one of the best deals that I've ever heard of. You literally can't pass it up. Yeah, and if you do, it says more about you than us. And I don't mean to <laughs> offend you. I don't mean to upset you. I'm just saying it I don't it mean means... to judge blindly, but excuse me while I judge blindly. Yeah, allow me to judge you blindly. Uh other than that, Grant, any final thoughts, Warriors? Are they going to come back and do this? Probably, because they're the Warriors. They're going to terrorize us forever. Other than that, any final thoughts? I got nothing. <laughs>